You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, again, we're back in Galatians. Uh, We're in chapter 3, 23 to 29. We're talking about no longer being captives. This is the 13th sermon already in the book of Galatians. And so today we will discuss what it is to be free and how it is that we can stop being captives and be set free. Isaiah 61 um Verse 1, I love it because it communicates in one passage of Scripture all that I want you leaving understanding this morning. It gives gives you a sneak peek, so to speak, in today's message. And so in Isaiah 61, verse 1, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. I wonder how many this morning are captive? How many today feel like prisoners? Maybe, listen to me, you're captive because of a lifestyle. Maybe you're captive because you are living life in a way that you know isn't honoring to God. Maybe you're a prisoner because you're living in some sin and you are captivated because you can't get out from under it. Maybe you're here today and someone invited you to listen in. You're not even real sure about this whole Christianity thing. And you can't accept that freedom which God offers through Christ. And to be honest, you're harder on yourself than Christ is on you. Maybe you you can't be released because you're stuck. You're stuck to the law. You're stuck to trying to please God by your efforts and by your deeds. Maybe you're imprisoned in your own mind because you've bought something you think is truth, which is really a simple lie that you've created in your own mind is truth, when really, in reality, it isn't truth. Maybe you're in prison in your own mind because you can't accept God's forgiveness. and Maybe you're captive because you can't forgive. You know, there's nothing more damaging the child of God than walking around 
with an unwillingness to forgive. Maybe you come this morning and there's a heavy burden on your heart. Maybe something's taken place in your life and you feel handcuffed. You, you can't break free and, 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 and you don't even really know how to deal with it. Well, listen to me. I, I have good news for each one of you today. God has given this message today, listen, to bind up the brokenhearted. The, the Hebrew word here means to heal the brokenhearted, to bandage up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. I want you to know this today. You can walk away from this message today, a new person with a new hope, with a new agenda, with a new desire, with a new intention. So many people in our culture walk around aimlessly. They don't know what they want in life. They don't know who they want in life. They don't know what to fight for and what not to fight for. And they're captive. And I want you to walk through life learning and knowing what it means to no longer be a captive, but a man and a woman under the authority of Almighty God and to fulfill the very will of God in your life for the glory of God. Listen, you have two choices today. You can spend the next hour listening and you can leave the same way you came in. Or you can leave changed. Freed, no longer captive to the circumstances of your life. And so before we ever even get in the Word, I want you to ask yourself the question, what will it be for you today? What will it be for you today? What will you choose? Will you choose to be the same person you were when you came here today to listen? Or will we be changed, renewed in your mind? I think it's time that we make decisions. I think it's time we stand up and decide today who we are going to be and what we are going to do and what it is that God has called us to do. Well, without delay, let's turn this morning to our text of Scripture, Galatians 3, 23 to 29. While you're turning there, I want to draw your attention to the reality of people in this world that are truly held captive. I, I I want us to be with a reality, with a true understanding that there are real people across this globe that are held captive. Being a captive, listen, can be more than than one might think. You may think to yourself, Pastor, I'm not living in captivity. 
This isn't message isn't really for me. Captivity is something that happens to people in other countries and in the mission mission field. Like if you remember Pastor Saeed, who was held captive, or or maybe even pastors in Canada these days who are being imprisoned. Captives like those that had had went to uh, D.C. or Washington for 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 January sixth that are in prison. Maybe that those those are the ones who are held captive. But listen, the definition of captivity is defined as the state or period of being in prison, confined, or enslaved. One thing I want you to notice here is that it says nothing about being against one's will. It doesn't say a state or a period of being in prison, confined, or enslaved against your will. Many people today are living in captivity by their own choices. They've created something in their mind and they think that this is reality when in reality it isn't and they're captive in their own minds. Now there are many who are captive against their own will. We see it in young human trafficking, women and men and children. I mean, over 800,000 children under the age of 18 have been sold into this industry. It's probably more now. Kids, women, workers, elderly have all fallen victim to captivity against their choice. But listen, while that is wrong, that is bad, that is sick, that is perverted, that is evil, we need to pray for them. The one that I really want to reach this morning is the one that doesn't know he or she is living in captivity. You don't don't have to worry about them. They know they're in captivity. The concern is the one that's stolen, captured, kidnapped, persecuted. They all want to be free. But the man, the woman who fails, fails to see They are living in captivity, do not have the desire to be free. They they don't know they are captives. Those are the ones my heart goes out to. Because when you are held captive and you don't even know it, you don't know it. You can't see it. And that can happen in so many different areas of our lives. And many of you are captive, not because of your choices, because of a choice of someone else in your life. So let's look at the passage together. Galatians 3, 23 to 29. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Paul is dealing with the reality that these people in Galatia are buying into the idea that they can be saved apart from Christ. They've bought into the lie that somehow, some way, they can be saved without faith in Christ, which we know is absolutely bogus. Nevertheless, they bought the lie. He's still beating down the idea of the false teaching of works-based salvation. He's consistently chipping away at that reality. And if you remember, he, he, he's already said if salvation could, could come from keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly. He even said in chapter 1, verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a dis different gospel, which is really not another. <laughs> Only there are some who are wanting to disturb you and to distort you in the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel of heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, He is to be accursed. This is serious business to Paul. So there are a few points I want us to understand in our text today. First, we need to see how Paul explains how captivity is tied to the law. And then secondly, Paul explains how freedom is tied to the Lord. Last week, Paul defe defeated the idea that the law, which came 430 years after the promise, overthrew the promise which God personally gave to Abraham. He simply said the, that, that once a promise or covenant was made and ratified, made legal, no one could change that unless, that is, it's changed prior to dying. So how much more then is the covenant spoken by the God of wonders. <laughs> and so he proved that point, that the law doesn't overthrow the promise, but that we must have misunderstood the law. He asked the question in verse 19, why then the law? He said it's because of transgression. The law was given to show you and me our need for a Redeemer, a Savior. You and I can see that in our own lives that we can't uphold the law to perfection. And therefore, you and me need someone that can uphold perfection and uphold the law. And that's Christ. That's what Jesus did. Paul wants us to continue this doctrinal distinction between law and faith. And so Paul explains how captivity is tied to the law. So he starts here in verse 23 with a distinction. He says, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. The ESV says now, before faith came, Paul is making a distinction between law and faith. I like the ESV again here because it, it seems to better state what, what, what's understood. Now, now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until coming faith would be revealed. 
Put yourself in the shoe of one that lived before Jesus Christ was crucified, raised from the dead. Before faith came, name the name uh, faith in Jesus Christ, namely, we were all captive under the law. We're in prison waiting the promise to be revealed because none of those people prior to Christ, his crucifixion, his death, burial, resurrection by the living could we stand up to the standards with which the law required. And still can't today. And we would have been waiting on the faith and of Jesus Christ to be revealed. Think about this. When you walk through the door on church on Sunday, when you when you bust through uh, in your life, you are either free indeed or you're captive to the law. When you came in this morning, you were either one or the other. You're either free indeed or captive to the law. You, you, you can be a Christian and unknowingly live captivated to the law. I mean, I, I read a text message this morning from a gentleman. It's so wrapped up in the things of this world. He's created this, this whole unnatural reality that doesn't really even exist and claims his truth. And really what he's doing, he's being captivated to the law. He doesn't understand the grace. He doesn't understand the gospel. He doesn't understand that he can be set free if he'll just put his faith in Christ. But instead, he wants to fill his life up with everything else in the world because he is focused on this world and not the eternal life that lies ahead. You may have put your faith in Jesus Christ and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and still suffer in this life living in captivity. But hear me well today, Jesus has been revealed. And we no longer have to live that way. We no longer have to wait to be set free. Now maybe you haven't trusted in Christ at all. And you're truly shut up under the law. Locked in in prison. Because no matter how great you think you are, no matter how much good you think you do, no matter what you think you missed out on or failed to accomplish, you will never do all that you are required to do by the law standards which will captivate you. Which this morning you're imprisoned to. Maybe you're just a new born-again Christian, far from perfect, but full of confidence that if you were to die or Christ were to turn it, you would go to heaven. It's possible that you too can be enslaved to the law. It's possible that you too are in captivity because of your past, because of your mistakes. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all make poor decisions. We all have pride. We're all arrogant. Maybe there's some sin that you as a Christian have had a hard time letting go of. You say in your heart, I've trusted, I've believed, but there's something that draws you back to all of the terrible things that you that the very things you hate you do even after putting your faith in Christ. Now, 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 your question, how can I be a true Christian if those things 
or reality in my life? Are you in bondage to the law? Are you held captive in prison? Listen, hear me today. You will be there until your faith in Christ is real. Listen, God did it when he saved you, or he did nothing at all. He did 100% of your saving work, or he did nothing at all. Because as long as you try and serve the law and fail and rely on that as your means by your freedom, then you fail to rely on grace. And if you fail to lean on grace and in your faith in Christ for the one who paid for your sins, you will be enslaved. Christ came to set you free. The law comes to enslave you so that you can see your need to be set free. How many sins did Christ pay for on Calvary? Did he, did he just, a couple of them, a few of them? No, all of them. All means all. Past, present, and future. Colossians 2.13. He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. You didn't make yourself alive. He made you alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Not that you loved him, but that he loved you. This is not about you. This is not about me. We've made Christianity all about us. Listen, this is about God. This is about the grace and the mercy and the, and the loving kindness of God who desires all to be saved, to all to come to repentance. And the question is, are you enslaved? Or are you free? Are you living in bondage? Or are you free? Last night I preached Psalm 85. And I'm reminded of... I mean, 86, and I'm reminded of David and his plead to God. And But, but as what I was struck by is, is the boldness. As the reminder that David thought God to be a good God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, verse 3 of Psalm 86. He says in verse 5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive <laughs> and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and, and give heed to the voice of my supplication. Then he says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Verse 13, for your loving kindness toward me is great. David understood the goodness and how God was good. Listen, we worship a God that is good, who desires that none perish, but that all would come to repentance, that, that all would be set free, that all would no longer live captive. That's how you've been made alive. It's by God's mercy. 
not because you call, tossed a few bucks in the plate. It's not because you said a few Hail Marys. It's not because you gave to that needy man at the stoplight. It's not because you didn't look at that girl. It's not because that you've you've been true to the church. It's not that be, because you've you've prayed a prayer or, or read your Bible or gone to church. It's not even because you're you're a preacher of the word. No, no. If if, if that would ever bring closer your salvation, then Christ died needlessly. He made you alive, which assumes you were dead. He brought you to life by forgiving us all our transgressions. It, it, it's only those that are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ that you're truly free. You can be saved, you can be enslaved, and the devil desire for you to be. So repent today. It's time for men to be men. Stop being children. It's time for women to be women and stop being children. It's time to stop advocating our responsibilities and serve God in the capacity for which God has called you to. Christ has been revealed. Freedom is for the taking. It's not some potion for a few people. It's not some shot to heal you from death that is offered. It, it, it's offered to all who would believe. It's the gospel of grace, the grace of God, the love of God never requires you to accept it, but pleads with you to believe it so that you can be set free. Stop listening to the devil tell you about what he did. After you trusted in Jesus Christ, repent of those things. Believe the gospel and be set free. Stop letting your past haunt you. You can't drive forward looking in the rear view. Jude one twenty four says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. It's not you who keeps you from stumbling, it's him. He is the one that will grow you in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, and it's him that will make you stand blameless. Are you blameless today? Anyone of you not ever sinned? Anyone of you not sinned this week, this month, this year? Hmm. Of course not. It's, but but listen, it it's him, it's not you. And if it's not you, then it's always him and never you. The more I study the grace of God, the more I'm astounded by the grace of God. Because not one of us here today deserves freedom. But God. While yet we were sinners, Christ died for all of our sins. But we lack one thing, and that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is true freedom in that. If you fail, and you will, then it's simple. Confess with your mouth. It's already been paid for past, present, and future. So if the law doesn't save, it doesn't help save and keep us saved, what good is it? 
Paul says in verse 24, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith, not by works, not by deeds, not by righteousness, but faith. The law is for you whom have no faith in Jesus Christ to point you to him. The law is for the Christian to remind us of all that Christ has done. The law was there to lead us to Christ. It was a guardian, so to speak, a tutor to teach us our need for faith and grace in Jesus Christ. It points you to the one who's able. Because when you read the law and you compare it to your life, you realize how big of a failure you are. And so it, it drives you to see your need for Jesus. So Paul explains here how freedom is tied to the Lord. Secondly, he starts out by saying, but now faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor, right? For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul is now in these verses, including himself. Now that faith has come, we, we includes Paul. We is referring to Christians. Christians are no longer under a tutor. Because we are sons of God through faith in Christ, you are a son of God. In Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. If you fail to have placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation, the Bible says, listen, plain and simple, you're an enemy of God. You are a child of Satan. You either for him or you're against him. But the one that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, he is indeed a child of God. Listen, that doesn't mean that because you're a child, he wants you to always live like a child, failing and failing and failing and never winning never overcoming sin. No, He wants you to win the war on sin. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to live the victorious Christian life. He wants you to stop living in adultery. He wants to, you to stop watching pornography. He wants you to stop talking to, the, to your spouse the way you do. He wants you to stop having that relationship with that man or woman that's inappropriate. He wants you to stop being a child when you are a man. He wants you to stop living a life that's seeking for the things of this world rather than seeking the things that are eternal. He wants you to turn to live your life in victory. I've heard more people speak to each other in terrible ways on, on Telegram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on the phone. I've even been on the other side of a phone when there was a conversation, somebody butt-dialed me. They didn't know I was on the other line. And just listen to the way they talk to each other. Hmm. Now, he wants you to have victory. He wants you to invest in your children. Not just sports, but scripture. Not just money, but ministry. He, he wants fathers to take responsibility and to lead their family. 
He wants dads to say, you know what? I'm not going to let you watch this movie because it's not honoring to God. That's my job as a father. <laughs> and you, likewise, need to protect your children. Because, listen, we're, we're watching a decline morally and have been in this nation. And I am convinced that it's the men who are at fault. It's the fathers that have advocated their responsibility to lead well. God has set standards. God has given direction to men to lead. Now, I know this culture we live in wants to feminize men, emasculate them, but let me tell you what, the scriptures are very clear. From Genesis to Revelation, that men have been placed here to lead and to lead well, and they have not. They've failed. Many have walked out on their children. You want to know why men aren't men? Because they don't have a father in the home. A woman can't make a man. A man can make a man. Stop advocating your responsibility, men. Lead your family. Make a sacrifice. Okay, you don't get to watch that show. Who cares? Stand up. Because until we start saying what's really the problem, this nation is going to fold and it begins in the family. It begins in the family. He wants you to invest into your children, into your families, into your life. Mothers, Raise your children in a godly home. You know, years ago when Jennifer and I decided that we were going to homeschool our children, she was working. Matter of fact, she made more than I did. But when we had our first child, Jennifer became a stay-at-home mother. We lost half of our income. It was quite painful. We had to sacrifice a lot. But seven children later, we still are trusting God to provide all of our needs. Do we have needs? Of course we have needs. We have seven children. You know how much food seven children eat? But I can tell you what, my children have never had to question whether their mother loved them or sacrificed for them. Because my wife, being a godly woman, has dedicated her life to the most important ministry she could ever have, and that's to raise her children in a godly home. Women need to protect their families, protect their husbands, protect their children. But where have all the mothers gone? We have all these women seeking the things of this world, prosperity, clout, trying to prove themselves. Listen, it was the curse from the beginning. Just like men need to stop advocating their responsibility, the women in this country need to stop advocating their responsibility as well. And woman up and be a mother to their children. Stop advocating their responsibility to somebody who does not like God, who does not want God, and who, matter of fact, is anti-God. Because, listen, when we send our kids to Caesar's palace and wonder why they turn out Romans, like Romans, Make no mistake, it will be on us. We need to stand up. 
This is not a message for the weak-hearted. This is a supposed to step on your toes, supposed to step on my toes, because as a father, I'm not perfect, and my wife isn't a perfect wife, and we mess up quite often, but we've made a commitment to Almighty God that we will do all that we can do as long as we have breath in our lungs to protect our family. We have a great opportunity to invest in ministry, and it starts in our homes with our families. Now, you may say, well, pastor, I've messed up. I've not done these things. Well, listen, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Sit down with your wife, come up with a game plan and how you're going to fix the problem. Because I can tell you, you send your kids to public schools. Don't be crying when they make you wear masks and make your kids give shots and they tell them about God and how he's fake. And they teach them about evolution because that's what exists. And then you want to know why they, they're leaving. The, why are they leaving the faith, Pastor? Why are my kids rebelling? Because they're being taught by a pagan to trust them rather than their parents. Serve your children. Serve your wife. Serve your husband. Teach them about God and the things of God. You could have had your kids here in church serving and teaching them about the things of God. Last night we had church and there was just a few people there. Well, my kids had a ball game. I had to go fishing. They, you know, they had volleyball or baseball or soccer or whatever it is that takes them away from the things of God. Let's make something a priority and that's God. I mean, listen, I love fishing and I love hunting. This is the two most favorite things that I, that I do in my life. I never do them anymore because I just don't have the time. But I can tell you what, I don't ever miss a Sunday. Never. If I go on vacation, you better bet Stuart Guthrie and his family is going to be in church. I don't care if we're in Key Largo. We find in a church and we go into it because it's a priority and I want my children to understand it's a priority. We need to make some priorities in this nation. Because listen, the reality is, is what you want, you get. The things you desire, you have because you've prioritized them. We need to prioritize God. God desires you to have the victorious Christian life. God desires you to pass the test. God never tests you with evil, but God can indeed test you. Ephesians 2 says, For we as are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Too many times we live uh, for this life. We save for this life. We work for this life. We focus on this life, yet we fail to look forward to eternity. God prepared for work for you and for me, and beforehand they were prepared so that we would walk in them. You know that God has a great plan for your life. God has some amazing works established for you. But too many times we're so focused on this world, we can't think about the things that God. One day we'll be judged on how we manage our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our time, our money, our things. And I wonder, not about you, but about me, about Stuart. So I, I can't get time to worry about you. I got to worry about Stuart. You should be worried about you, not somebody else. Like, oh, this is a great message for Bob over there or whatever. No, this is a message for me. 
And this is a message for you. We should be worried about ourselves. Are we doing what God has called us to do? We are sons of God to those who believe in Christ. You may come this morning and say, I don't know if I'm saved. I've done this. I've done that. I've sinned a lot. I'm, I'm living in sin right now. I, I've not even confessed it. Well, I, su I suggest today you look back to the cross and ask yourself, have I really trusted in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ? Because it, it starts with that. That is the beginning point. You can't be successful in, in your life as far as a spiritual success unless you're right with Almighty God. You can't experience the peace of God until you are at peace with God. And until you are at peace with God, you are not at peace with God because you are an enemy of God. You should place your faith in Christ. Be baptized into Jesus Christ. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Now, baptism doesn't save. It doesn't even help save. It's a byproduct, but it's the proof that you have genuinely been changed because it's an outward confession of an inward change. Everywhere we find uh, baptism in the Bible, there's conversion first. Believe and be baptized. If you've trusted and you believed what Jesus Christ did on the cross, saved and you have been clothed with Christ in His righteousness. You still need to be baptized as obedience to Christ. But because you've been clothed, because you've been saved, he says here in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian, you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. There is nothing that makes you different from one another who have a relationship that is a built upon salvation. Now, some distort this text to hold to their egalitarian view, which is an absolute disgrace to the context of the passage. Some even homosexuals will twist this scripture to, to build a case that they are neither male nor female. It's the perversion of the word of God. Some want to say, well, there's neither man nor female, so women should be everything a man should be. Listen, God set standards and rules beginning before the fall of man. Without getting into some deep theological debate, they would have you believe within Christianity that there are not people that are only equal before God in their personhood, but there is no gender-based limitations or of functions or roles each can fulfill in their home, in the church and the society. Now, I would hold another view, which is complementarianism, and that is the theological view that although men and women are created equal in dignity, in their being and in their personhood, they're created to complement each other via different roles and responsibilities and that, that, that manifest itself in marriage and family life and, and religious leadership and everything else. They would say, we are all one in Christ. No woman, no man, no male, no female. Do we really want to take that scripture out of context to support that theological view? 
Is a slave still a slave? In normal life responsibilities? Of course they were. Is a man still a man? Yes, he is. Is a woman still a woman? Yes, they are. And so he says in Ephesians 6, 5, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. He says in 1 Peter 2, 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and gentle, but those who are unreasonable. This is to the Christian. The slave is still a slave positionally. He is a free man spiritually, but he's positionally still enslaved. Neither male nor female is a male no longer a male or a female no longer a female. Of course not. Again, that's used to buy into the agenda in our culture. That's why we have the LBGTQ, LMNOPQRSTUV, whatever it is. Paul is saying that as Christians, we are all the same in salvation. We are saved by the same way in your position, your gender, your place in society has nothing to do with anything. The gospel shut down that thinking. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Equal. While there's different roles, we are equal. We are created in the image of God and we are children of God. He says in Romans 10 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. When you stand and I stand, we will both stand the same way God sees children. Children of God and children of Satan. Those who believe and those who don't believe. And if you, verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Listen, the promise still remains. The law doesn't change. The law was there to change your thinking, to point you to Christ. But he has sent the the word of God to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to freedom to prisoners. Now, are you here today crushed in your spirit? Listen, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. The Lord desires to heal your broken heart and to set you free. And today it starts by placing your faith in the one that can bring you through, knowing that you, Put your faith in God. He can bring you through your situations. He calls me to proclaim the word, to give liberty to the captives, to herald the good news. And for all of those that are in Christ, he calls you to do the same thing. Some of you are so wrapped up in this political agenda, you can't think about the spiritual things of this world. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say perhaps. Jesus comes back tomorrow. Does it matter who the president is? Seriously. If Jesus comes back and every single person in this world that has never put their faith in the gospel, would it even matter? You know why it doesn't matter? Because that's not eternal. 
There is nothing less important on the eschatological time frame of God than who's in the White House and who's not. What matters is the gospel. Because when Jesus comes back, he will pour out retribution. He will deal out retribution to those who do not believe God and who do not believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can fight your way through this world to try to establish your kingdom on earth, or you can fight in this world to establish his kingdom in heaven, to preach and proclaim and to herald the good news of the gospel. Stop twisting truth to make truth what truth isn't. Truth is a word of God. Everything else is a theory. Truth is sanctified in thy truth. Thy word is true. Starts right here today, folks. We can play this game forever, but listen to me very clearly. You are either captive or you are free. You are either in the bondage of sin or you are justified and declared right before Almighty God. Not because of who you are, but what Christ has done. It starts right here by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Simply taking Him at His word. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And I call you today to repent of your sin. You've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You will die. And you will die eternally separated from God in a place called hell unless you put your faith in Christ. Be free. He who has the Son is free indeed. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today for salvation. Let's pray.